Sir Alex, uh, if um, the owners of Man United gave you a blank cheque um, over the summer and, and allowed you to bring in any one, just one, of Barcelona's team from tonight, who would you sign? That's one of the most stupid questions I've ever heard in my life. What about Mascarano? I test my patience. Hey guys, welcome to yet another episode of Panditri on a Pint where a couple of average blokes are having above average football conversations. Joining me on the podcast today is Vaishnav, Akshat and Pope. And let's get straight into it guys. Uh, on this podcast, we always try to push the boundaries and uh, talk about unconventional topics and we have uh, one for you here today. We are going to be talking about really pathetic football journalism, uh, journalism the appalling standards that are prevalent, especially in the UK, um, especially with the sun. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the pundits that are um, uh, employed by Sky and other broadcasting networks and their half-time team talks and stuff like that. So let's get straight into it. I'd like to bring Akshat into this conversation because it was something that he was really passionate about. Yeah, I mean, we know that football journalism is clearly not in a golden age or anything like that, right? Um, And since we have just finished the transfer market, all football fans know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's just a simple matter of getting as many clicks as possible. And from a journalist's point of view, it seems like the laziest way you can do it is the best way you can do it. Because right now, you see these articles as... I mean, as a United fan, United is linked with each and every single player on the planet. But it, this transfer window, it's, it's almost been taken to another level where you see articles like the 10 players Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants but Woodward won't get him or you know like um, the five players that the Glazers have earmarked but Solskjaer is not agreed to I mean they're completely uncorroborated articles completely no sources whatsoever it's just that if you can get the print out and if you can get the number of clicks in um, it just stands and it's it there's no real way to kind of monitor this or uh, there's no real check to this entire system right it's just that as many clicks as you generate those are you can continue doing it and we as football fans we are kind of guilty because we kind of jump on the hype train um, as early as possible so you see a lot of these journalists who again from a transfer pocket market point of view confirmed transfers right so i mean jaden sancho has been confirmed for manchester united at least by 15 different journalists at 15 different times during the transfer market. But the transfer never went through. So it's just a matter of, you know, being as clickbait as possible in the modern age. And it's quite disappointing that um, as a serious football fan, the, the topics I want to read about are more to do with the analysis of matches, of teams, of, you know, um, um, true analytics on what transfers would be good for a club, what would not be good for a club. But instead of that, we're just getting these really superficial articles. And it's it's not a good time as a football fan to be, you know, relying on the media for these kind of topics. Yeah, some some really good points over there. And uh, when you're talking about clickbait, uh, you would see like the headline on Facebook. If you go, you'll see the headline saying that, okay, um, Bundesliga player from Dortmund has been confirmed with Manchester United. A deal has been struck. And then you open the article and then... There's a whole passage on Jaden Sancho and how he's being linked, and you go scroll down, scroll down, and at the end they're talking about like a 15-year-old player from the academy who's moved from one club to the other. So uh, yeah, it is it is all clickbait, as you as you said, and no, not 
very good sources that can back up whatever they're saying and it's almost become um, like a it's become it's become an industry that is not being checked at all right i mean people can post whatever they want they can write about however they want and this is in the end affecting the teams as well uh, i know in this transfer window the top executives of manchester united had spe- had made a public statement saying that we do not like this uh, this sort of journalism especially linking us with all all almost all players who are who are good in that in, in the previous season like we were linked very heavily with raul jimenez when there was actually no there was no substance to it and united feel that you know these teams are using this method to drive up the price of their players so if the valuation is about 40 million and united come into the picture then it goes up to 55 million because then the bidding war starts so things that uh, these are the things that you know the executives weren't really happy about and uh, hopefully it does get better from here on vaishnav do you have anything to add in this not really i mean uh, you guys are definitely you hit it bang on like a lot of i mean i would say the keyword here is reductive a lot of uh, football journalism is super reductive like uh, they'll say something like uh, ole said united had an incredibly good game against chelsea something like that where and what he might have actually said is uh, i thought harry maguire defended well like you know what i mean i mean you take one statement that he says and you like yeah. extrapolate and you just make it seem like something it's definitely not and i feel like a lot of times that's because uh, football news is actually pretty boring i mean there is not much drama in news i would say like you guys said the most dramatic period of time is obviously the two transfer windows we have <clears throat> and in between that i would feel like other than match day news what else do you really care about there isn't that much to report on in my view unless you're a club like united or real madrid or barcelona where there's you know transfer activity year round but even then like you said most of it is just shots in the dark like i saw some i don't remember who it was it was either uh, it, i i saw adama traore like five wolves players at least linked with united and chelsea and a lot of times these are not just agents who are leaking it a lot of times it's just like you know tabloids and papers just say, saying shit so i mean you don't even know what is noise and what isn't yeah i mean it's always united isn't it i mean we saw in this summer yeah all these um, twitter itks um, it just usually it turns out it's just one guy dude sitting in saudi or something tweeting shit trying to throw shit on the wall and see what sticks basically every footballer is linked to every other club in the world and like more than half of this shit is never true it it's just to rise up like increase the clicks and the views on instagram twitter whatever it is um more than like this season i saw i mean we saw fabrizio tweeting taking a very active interest in twitter and you'd see him tweeting about every single club that was possible and like trying to gain more and more people to follow him and get, like basically the whole transfer market was i feel this year it was in twitter all these um, so called experts and um what do you call these guys what are what is the bit here transfer analysts i don't know <laughs> Yeah okay so he's a reporter he's just basically a reporter no? Yeah I mean but like at the end of the it's day. it's really interesting how to see how like over the years it's changed like you'd see articles more and more articles have like 2 3 years ago but nowadays everything's done on twitter like instantly it's it's like basically a race to see who can break the news first even though like without checking to see if it's credible or not so yeah 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like huge shout out to Fabrizio for the kind of work that he's doing. He's sort of like a gem in all of this mountain of dung in terms of uh, news reporting and football. Uh, it feels like he's the credible source now for everything, right? I mean, as soon as we see his tweet saying, here we go, we know that, okay, this is confirmed news. It's from a good source and we, 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 ta- we end up taking his word for it. Um, whatever he tweets is not really questioned. And that's, that's, how, that's how good he is at his job. Coming back to Sun, uh, a lot of the articles that we read on the Sun, they don't even actually have their author's name written on it because probably like, if, if people know who's writing it, they're going to they're gonna just go and shit on that guy quite a lot. Uh, another thing that I, uh, I read about, I mean, I noticed about football reporting is that if they have something to talk about, right, like five tactics, tactical tweets that were done by Ole in this game, it's all just basic football words put together into five points. And in between, there is so much shit that they're speaking about. It has nothing to do with the game. It has nothing even to do with the team or the players that are playing. It's just, it's just there because they have to have some content into it. So, there, there's, I mean, a lot of mess that go, goes on in football journalism. But Vashon is right. We, there's, there's not much else that they can speak about. Uh, but I would also want to talk about the athletic. Uh, we're all subscribed to The Athletic and I think that is hands down one of the best reporting agencies that I've seen, not only in terms of football, but sport worldwide. I mean, the kind of uh, analytics, news, data, stats that they bring to you is, it, it can't be compared to anything else that I am reading today. And all of the famous football podcasts or, you know, the big Twitter personalities, um, they're all working for The Athletic. Uh, anything to add to, on, on this point? Yeah, I, I totally agree with uh, what you said about the athletic because um, see, the thing is that the athletic was um, I wouldn't say formed, but um, it was expanded to cover European football um, because there was a clear lack in quality around the reporting and around the analytics or analysis of a post game and you know uh, overall teams in general or season in general. Um, in the normal digital media or the print media today, right? And that is why you see um, a lot of the notable uh, journalists, reporters, and even pundits now. So, I mean, recently Alan Shearer was one of the people who has joined The Athletic, right? So, uh, that is the reason you see a lot of these people moving to The Athletic because they give them a platform to really, you know, voice their opinion on these matters. And clearly there is an audience because you can see the way it's been expanding over the year or so, last year or so. Um, there's clearly an audience which is interested in consuming these stories. So th- that's a really great sign. But on the flip side of it, I think it's quite sad that it's not just the state of journalism, but the state of punditry as well. Um, it's um, I-, I do understand having ex-footballers on any punditry panel because they can offer some kind of perspective which people outside the game can't offer. But at the same time, you have these pundits... Um, and again, I don't want to be too harsh on it, but people like Michael Owen who, who just speak in like platitudes, like absolutely nothing statements all the time. Like, for example, X team played harder, which is why they won, or X team wanted it more, which is why they won. I mean, yes, we know that. I mean, football, you have to play hard to win football. We know that. But what about the systems they played? What about, um, you know, what are the tactical tweaks which happened during the match? Or... Um, the, the different adjustments that the, mag- the manager made at halftime or maybe at 60 minutes while putting the substitutes on. Um, they don't talk about this stuff. It's just, you know, 
very base level very ground level analysis which isn't really helping any viewer who is trying to understand the game at a higher depth um, so yeah i'm glad that we do have something like the athletic but uh, at the same time i mean it's uh, it's quite a sad state both in journalism and in punditry and um, again to to add on this when people like um for example mourinho had his stint right uh, with i think it was bn sports if i'm not mistaken and even with sky sports for a bit of time yeah where he actually did offer his tactical insights into the game it was like enlightening like wow okay this this guy really knows what he's talking about it's such a huge contrast to what we normally see from the pundits and the so called experts and of the game who appear on tv so yeah i do think that uh, there's definitely um, a market for more intelligent journalism and punditry out there and yeah the athletic is definitely one of the publications which are addressing that market yeah it's very interesting because uh, you say that there's an opportunity uh, and there's a market for it uh, people want to consume these kind of stories which is probably why the athletic is so expensive because they know that they are a cut above the rest in terms of journalism they they're charging their premium for it um athletic is still you know of a very high level but even the guardian that has good football journalism right they are, they have a price too they i mean you have to pay for the guardian as well if you wanted to read for example the the story by sam wallace for uh, project big picture it wasn't free you had to subscribe to the guardian for it so there's clearly a huge market for this uh, which people are looking to capitalize on and credits to uh, the athletic for you know making the most use of it i think po wanted to say something on this yeah i mean uh... ever since athletic like started and gained traction it's like more and more of these publications want to be like athletic right it's become like the benchmark in in this industry you've got the best of the best writers uh, addressing each particular club that they're associated with giving in-depth analysis and um, following the match process everything going on there so uh, i mean even publications like the mirror which down the years were not really good and then were not really credible have slowly started picking up and tightening up whatever they've been releasing and putting out credible stories nowadays and they it's like they're buckling up so i think it's good that the athletic you need something like that in an industry to make every every other participant like increase their like game and try to be better at what they do and one more thing i'd like to point out from the athletic was i really love that podcast i mean shout out to all the podcasts in the athletic they are really insightful and uh, they cater to each club and every issue at hand so that is really nice and i mean you they've been like like akshat mentioned alan shearer has been bought on now and then they even have experts like lee dixon for a while who's been on the arsenal podcast who's been featuring as a regular for them so it's really nice to have these sort of club legends coming and speaking about your club every single week and trying to like getting getting to listen to their insights is really fun and one more thing you guys mentioned about being sports and mourinho uh, yeah that was a mourinho was a class act back then and there was even like one day when uh, him and arsen shared the shared the uh, the panel yeah the panel uh, they were among the panel and that like both of them that that back and forth of football knowledge going through that across that panel was really uh, was a really an interesting watch Yeah I think you know with the quality that's gone up like Akshat said I think it's mainly because <clears throat> there is definitely uh, an appetite for the content uh, I've been reading we've all been reading football news or just sports journalism in general for a long time 
and i feel like it's one of the bigger sources of just news in general even though it's on the back pages of most print media it's still as important i would say as headlines are uh, the political business headlines whatever they may be lots of people really care about cricket scores football scores and rugby scores as much so sports news is like a big deal but i think because of that we have both sides of the spectrum you have guys like uh, david onstein uh, carl anka lori whitwell who work for the athletic when who are incredibly good journalists and therefore work in football because they want to you know it's it's like a stepping stone you don't work in football and then become a journalist they are very good investigative journalists and they understand the product and therefore they're incredible at their jobs shout out to them that that fucking brilliant man that insanely good but you also have the other end of the spectrum like we are talking about bad pundits on the television <clears throat> i feel like a lot of ex players who maybe didn't do that well in their career or even if they did do that well in their career are maybe so far removed from it that they are not used to living the way they're living now and therefore need to be in the limelight and are on tv or need the money and therefore are on tv so a lot of that pool of just pundits who are on television who are in the television studios at bbc sky bn wherever they are a lot of them aren't there just because they're you know really good at analyzing the game a lot of them are there because like you said they're michael owen owen hargreaves is another one who i can't stand um and you know there are a lot of football players who owen was an incredible player hargreaves an average one if i may say so but what i'm trying to say is a lot of them are in the panel or in the studios just for the fact that they've played the game and like you said they have insider knowledge but i like how recently we've been putting more credibility to people who might not be insiders in terms of played the sport at a high level or managed at a high level but still can analyze the sport at a very high level and i think that's something the allied services of sport are really they're like really going up today. you forgot to mention graham saunas in that we are coming to that we are coming to graham saunas there's a there's a section of this podcast only for graham saunas oh i fuck him dude <laughs> fuck him dude Oh my fucking dude! You should put Pogba. You should put Pogba, Graham Souness in one room. Put a football there. I will put money on the amount of times Pogba makes Souness. I'm saying Souness is even in his prime, dude. Fuck him. Before Fuck we start uh, really shitting on on Graham Souness as a pundit, uh, I, I want to talk about how we are looking at probably the biggest league in football in terms of broadcasting, right? Which is the Premier League and. we're seeing the half time talks and the full time analysis and stuff like that and we still feel that the quality is low uh, for for sky and then i'm looking at something like the champions league finals which was on sony i guess and there was a youtuber who who had nothing to do with football who was giving the half time analysis of the game like i mean what is going on what kind of value are you going to input in probably the biggest game of the european season why would you want someone to do that but that's also knowing your product right yeah yeah i mean like they don't understand the product in india and that's why they deal with it like that you know? exactly yeah so particularly talking about india i think uh, sony 10 where we watch the where we view the champions league games they, i mean everything about it is terrible the setup it's like a couple of bean bags with uh, <laughs> with a few scarves on on the walls and uh, they don't talk about anything that is relevant in the game that they are speaking about it's it's just terrible yeah i mean it, it it's an absolute shit show like let's not mince words okay it's it's terrible <laughs> and uh, as, as bad as we think 
Owen Hargreaves and Michael Owen are. Uh, if you hear David James speak about the game, I mean, <laughs> I think I think this podcast would would feel like the mecca of like football knowledge compared to you know when he opens his mouth. It's it's absolutely terrible, and and I I remember that so well because. You know, at that time, football. There were so many football matches at a stretch, right? Whether it's the Premier League or any of the other leagues, you have the the Premier League broadcast, which is definitely professional in a way. Like they do have, I would say, hit or miss pundits, but overall, the way it's presented, the the stats packs. I mean, all of this is part of the broadcasting, right? Of the stat packs, the highlight reels, all of that together is a, a good package. It, it, it's good for the for the end consumer. But um, some of the coverage for the Champions League is the stark contrast you see between the two. It's absolutely terrible. And um, I, I think the point you made, uh, Vaishnav, is absolutely right. That it depends on which market the broadcast is and how well they understand the market. Because at times, they try to kind of popularize the sports in ways which just doesn't work. Because at the end of the day, people are not interested in the sport. Getting some random YouTuber... to a punditry panel is not going to make the sport any more popular right it does i mean quality of broadcasting matters to a very very large extent and i think that seems a lot of the broadcasts around the world seem to have missed the point with that there, there are some other I, i mean i don't know if you guys have seen but um some of the african broadcasts right of the premier league or the champions league they're absolutely hilarious I mean, uh, uh, people are literally holding stat sheets to the camera and, and talking about <laughs> which player is playing well and which player isn't playing well. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about journalism and punditry and and things like that, but I think yeah, uh, the production quality of it is equally important as well. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, even when you look at Sky, for that matter, uh, they had this uh, Saturday show where they talk about. everything like the weekend to come and the football to watch during that weekend and it it had sort of become like a tradition with um, seeing Matt Letterseer and you'd see a couple of other people like Phil Tom uh, Phil Thompson and I forgot the other dude's name but they but it's like the people are not ex- ready to accept change and move towards a better solution either i mean there was so much backlash when these three were uh, the contracts of these three were not extended and they instead decided to hire according to me better uh, better pundits and better journalists uh, i think alex scott and uh, michael richards as well and even ian right they hired and but there was so much backlash that these guys faced because just because uh, this happened immediately after the blm movement and all three of them uh, were like according to the fan like general public were signed and hired because of their color rather than their intelligence in football but if you watch them really closely they are very knowledgeable in football and they've been legends of that like particular team so sometimes it's up to the usual consumer as well i'd say cuz you know they're not just ready to accept change and move forward even though it's for a better future yeah and again coming back to uh, because we're talking about pundits and journalists um, these is the sort of age to football right apart from the teams that are playing this is why we love the sport and uh, then we start talking about commentators i think the premier league has one of the best sets of the commentary panel that we've seen i mean um, peter diori who is signed with uh, for the premier league is so good that he commentated on the on the world cup finals on his own there was no one else by his side and he's brilliant and anyone who's watching the premier league would have heard him heard him at some point or the other because he's only 
talking about the big games. And then let's get into the commentary of Sid La Liga. Uh, watching the El Clasico yesterday, um, I think they were Americans, both the commentators, and you could see the stark difference. I mean, they didn't really know what they were speaking about. There was no sort of analysis of the game from the, their end. What they were doing was just basically telling us exactly what we're seeing is happening. So if someone, if Casemiro passes to Marcelo, that's exactly what he's talking about. There's nothing else that he, he's saying. And I remember this one particular game really well. This was a Clásico as well. I, I think about two, two, two and a half years ago where there was a panel of a Spanish person. I, I don't know his name, but he was talking in English. And there was this, a goal where Sergio Bus, uh, Busquets has pinched the ball back from the midfield. He's driven forward and Suarez ended up scoring the goal. And the commentary panel is arguing about what percentage of the goal does Busquets have to be credited with. So the Spanish guy is saying, I think 50% of the credit of this goal should go to Busquets. And the other panelists on the commentary saying, no, I think 20% should go to Busquets and more should go to Suarez. I mean, this is not what we want to hear. Right? I'd rather just mute it and, and watch the game on my own. There was another game uh, last season. I think it was the EFL uh, semi-finals with United Norwich. Where uh, we were talking, uh, the, the members of this podcast were talking on the WhatsApp group and we were saying that it felt like a golf match because it was so boring and we've never heard a red card being, uh, being spoken about so dully uh, without any enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, just to go back to your previous point, uh, the thing about uh, American commentators and Spanish commentators, <clears throat> I think it's cultural because uh, you watch, I mean... L- British commentators commentate on British sports. So it sort of feels like it's in place and it works. And I'm sure if we were Spanish, okay, for me, it's weird to listen to commentary of any sport in Hindi, but that's because English is my first language. But I mean, if you're Spanish, you probably listen to the Spanish commentary and not the American dude speaking about it, right? If you're German, you probably listen to the German commentary. So who are we to say that that level isn't high? Now, I understand what you're saying in terms of, you know, especially when it's outsourced. So, like, the English commentary in the Spanish league, the German league, the French league, and the Italian league might not be the best because it's... These people might not, firstly, understand the product. And secondly, I don't think that those are as coveted jobs, right? I mean, not that many people are really fighting to be top-tier commentators in Spain. I'm not saying that it's a bad league. I'm saying that more people who watch La Liga are listening to Spanish commentary. So, who cares who's speaking in English? You know, and therefore you don't have to be the best commentator to be there. So I think that's a big deal, but you're definitely right. When you, (laughs) I can't believe the stat sheet thing that Akshat said, I I almost died. (laughs) I almost shat myself, dude. Just to butt in, Spanish celebration, like commentary on like goal celebrations are some of the best, I'd say. And even Arabic ones. Like, that just, I was just going to say. That's how they, yeah, Arabic. Arabic is by far the best. Sometimes we change our FIFA, FIFA uh, the, the game settings to Arabic commentary just for the, for the goals Dude, when, when, when they scored. That's, that's so genius. I mean, I guess we, sh- we should start including Arabic sound bites in our introduction as well. Yeah, I don't want to get flagged by NSA. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, coming, coming back uh, to, to someone like uh, to, to Graham Saunas, I mean, for uh, especially, I don't know if this is because I'm a United fan. Or whether I was a football fan in general, I don't know if I would be frustrated by what he has to say. But he is so critical in, uh, in all of his uh, appearances whenever he talks about the game. There's not much uh, value that he's adding. And all he's doing is just fucking shitting on players, right? Of the modern age. And he's not even 
talking about the way that they play. He's talking about everything else other than football. So he's talking about the cars they drive, the clothes they wear, the bags they own. And I mean, do I really want to know that? No, does it affect the player? Yes, because there are a lot of people who start criticizing, say, Paul Pogba not for his game. Yeah, he's a he's not been playing his best. I think he's had like three good games in Manchester United, but he's been criticized for not his, the way he plays, but for everything else he does outside of the pitch. Yeah, I mean that's that's really something you, shitty, right? Because. We understand that the times were different when these pundits used to play football, and I mean, God knows how how old Graham Saunders is. But then I understand that he wants to see a footballer in a certain particular image, like he wants a nonsense footballer. I mean, of your where they don't they don't have a lifestyle outside apart from football. But things aren't like that now, right? Because like yeah. most of these footballers have something else to do outside of football. Look at Marcus Rashford, for example. He does so much. Up like there was this. Oh uh, no! Thing you I you can't just wait, wait, wait. You can't just say Marcus Rashford. It's Doctor Marcus Rashford, MBE. So I'm sorry. Going to be so very soon. <laughs> yeah, you can just start saying it. Just say it. Just say it. Just say sir, so you don't have to change later. Coming back to what I was saying. So basically, see, like if you look at him, you see him scoring like the winner for against PSG, and then coming back and then helping out del- delivering food for children and things. So. There are so many avenues where these guys want to like go ahead and I mean if you look at Hector, he's been like putting his hands into fashion, into I mean planting trees even. So like, and I think there was even problems with how James Madison appeared in public and then the way he comes to matches and like with really designer handbags and shit like that. So I mean, who are these guys to even comment on such things? Like it's your job to comment in football and then you should stick to that particular avenue. That's it. Yeah, I uh, I think very soon we're going to see Mesut Ozil also on a on a pundit uh, show on Sky Sports. I think the track that he's taking now, uh, yeah. he's starting doing match predictions, lineup predictions, uh, match updates on Twitter. So hopefully Mesut Ozil can become a good good journalist. Yeah, it's sad to say. I mean, like more than the game, his tweets were more interesting that day. I'd say. I mean, Arsenal struggling to win against Rapid Vienna is is not a good sight to see. At all, and he did provide some entertainment there. So, hopefully, he does like try out this avenue. But he'll probably be the most expensive journalist as well. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I agree with whatever post, but the, the 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 larger problem around this is that when people or publications have an agenda, because as an objective journalist or a pundit, right, that is absolutely what you're not supposed to do, which is have an agenda. And I see people like Saunas who just can't seem to bring themselves to an uh, a neutral stance when it comes to something which they're very opinionated about. Paul Pogba. Um, and he might pay, praise Pogba like once in the blue moon, but talking about things outside of football just doesn't have any bearing whatsoever to what he does on the pitch. If he's not performing on the pitch, it's not necessarily related to what he wore the previous day or what color of haircut he's got you know the previous week and he seems to have this correlation between the two all of the time and it, it's not just soundness i don't want to point the finger at him but there are so many um you know news media outlets which do have these kind of whether it's political or or uh, i mean most of the time it is political uh, leanings but um uh, the sun for example i mean there is a 
very very large anti merseyside liverpool sentiment within the sun which deals which you know goes all the way back to how they dealt with the hillsborough incident right so when these publications have these agendas against say a team a player or a region it's um really sad to see as a football fan because for me they are failing to do their job um which is providing us the best possible coverage of the sport and what they seem to be doing is pushing everything outside of that sport which has nothing to do with you know uh, what we want to hear speaking of sun i mean i think they signed troy deeney right this week i mean he even wrote a piece on ask what sun signed troy deeney oh i did not know this yeah so uh, basically he even wrote a piece this week uh, where he talked about how arsenal have been through the years and how they are now under mikel i mean he even like he mentioned that arsenal have been struggling against sides like burnley but like arsenal have played burnley like 12 times in the premier league ever and they won 10 times and drawn two times they've never lost against burnley so i mean he can't even Why do, do a simple keep shitting on burnley on the pod i'm not What shitting on burnley i'm trying to shit on burnley i'm just saying it's just sad that it happened to be them poor has an agenda dude poor has an agenda anti burnley agenda <laughs> anti troy dini i'd say come on man like dude can't come on air and say that we don't have cojones so <laughs> but yeah um, i'd also like to talk about uh, post match conferences press conferences the kind of questions that are asked there are sometimes really really bad i mean uh, two weeks ago i think uh, william saliba's mother passed away or something and and there was a rumor saying that he was not ready to step up to the arsenal squad because of these matters and issues and during one of the games there was this dude asking a question to mikel asking whether if William Saliba was not admitted to the squad because his mother died. I mean, this is so insensitive to bring up, and like, what is even what is Arteta even supposed to say to this kind of thing? I mean, you got to be a little sensible, yeah. just a little bit, right? So it's sad to see the state of yeah. journalism at this level. And we've also seen this kind of uh, reaction from managers as well, right? In the press conferences, they have a vendetta against uh, the people who are asking questions. I mean, they're already so sick and tired of it. We see it especially from Jose Mourinho. Now, just to wrap things up, uh, we've concluded everything that we got to say. One final point is: if you're being a really shitty pundit, then be like Chris Kamara, be as entertaining as him, because that guy is just awesome. He does. He goes to the football games and doesn't even watch the football, and it's still so much fun. <laughs> For all those guys who don't know, please watch Chris Kamara's YouTube videos. He's a he's a pundit on Sky, and uh, that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, next week we have a very special episode with. Uh, a guest speaker from Roma and we are going to be talking about uh, frustrating football teams so join us for that and also follow our instagram page it's called pandit three on point i'm sorry that i've not been upload been able to upload any videos that's because of some technical issues that we've been having vaishnav <coughs> yeah vaishnav in particular is the technical issue <laughs> any anyway, listeners thank you for listening <laughs>